0: So our long-term and our short-term job is to be of benefit to sentient beings. And in order to be a benefit, we have to get ourselves put together properly. In other words, to Calm our own afflictions. Otherwise, we will just continue to project garbage on others in the name of trying to help them. So it's really essential that we have the aspiration to be free of cyclic existence and work diligently to. counteract our afflictions. We're very fortunate to have access to Shanti Shantideva's incredible text, which tells us exactly how to do that. So let's listen attentively with the aspiration to fully awaken for the benefit of sentient beings. And then to really try and practice what we're hearing. Because it's the practice that is the lifesaver, so to speak. It's the practice that transforms our mind. And to, to practice, we need to study first, otherwise, we don't know what to practice. Therefore, the teachings. Okay. We're getting into some juicy stuff this time. And it is guaranteed to press buttons. As our mind goes, but, 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 you don't understand. I have a really good reason for being mad. Yeah, These antidotes sound nice, but they're really off the wall. You don't understand how much I've been hurt, and my anger is 100% justified. Right? Okay, so let's see what Shantideva says about that. (laughs) Okay. Um, Just to review, we stopped at 38 last time. I'll just do that one again. So Shantideva says, Even if I cannot develop compassion... For all such people, meaning people who are harming us, who, through the arisal of disturbing conceptions, set out to try and kill me and so forth. Yeah, so really nice people, yeah? So even if I can't develop compassion for them, the last thing I should do is become angry with them. Okay, now, that sounds like what? You mean somebody's trying to kill me and I should have compassion for them? And if I don't, at least don't harm them? Yeah? Uh, Do you think Kyle Rittenhouse would agree with that? Kyle, yeah? Okay, that's a hard one to take, isn't it? Yeah. And we don't even worry about people uh trying to kill us. Even somebody looks at us cross-eyed, you know, not actually literally cross-eyed, but somebody doesn't say hello to us in the morning and do their three prostrations and praise us up to the sky, and you know, we get mad. We're offended. Okay. So, we should have compassion for them. Yeah, because they're so stupid not to praise us. Uh, And at least, if we can't have compassion for them, we shouldn't get mad at them. But they're really ignorant and stupid and disrespectful and rude, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you all agree with me. Okay. So, what I'm trying to illustrate here. is how we usually think and what Shantideva is suggesting, how how to look at the situation instead and how to think instead. And if you're seeing how you usually think and what Shantideva is saying as completely opposite, then you're seeing it correctly because it is. Because how are you going to count uh, combat something if if it's not with the opposite. Okay, if if something's burning in fire, you have to throw water on it. If you throw more fire on it, it's not going. The fire isn't going to burn the fire and put the fire out. Okay, so you know we need to get this into our our minds that the you know the antidote is going to be the total opposite from how we're thinking right now. Yeah? So our mind's going to have some resistance because we are very familiar with blaming others and dissolving ourselves from any responsibility whatsoever. Yeah? So expect the resistance, but don't nurture it and recognize that the resistance is just self-centered mind and ego grasping, doing their song and dance, yeah? So don't invite them in, give them the prime seats plus a cup of tea and chocolate chip cookies, you know? Don't make them at home, let them, you know, don't make them at home in your own mind Okay, so verse 39, even if it were the nature of the childish, childish means just ordinary people. Why are we called childish? Because if you look at the way our minds function, they're, you know, it's the same way little kids' minds function, except we are just more discreet and refined in how we behave. And we try and cover up our afflictions much better. But the mind is still quite childish. Yeah. If we look underneath, yeah. I want this why can't I have it the world is unfair to me my brother gets to do this and I don't my sister doesn't have to do this and I have to do it oh. right sound familiar okay so yeah so that's why Ordinary beings are called childish, yeah. Because we say it on the outside very sweetly, you know. It's not fair. No, we don't say that. I noticed that I was on the road more. Yeah, again, more than other people, and I'm really concerned. About the abbey, and I don't want people, other pe- people, to feel that they're taken advantage on. Uh, so maybe the person who's making the road should just kind of look at it again and make some adjustments. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we say and how we look, but what's going on underneath? The stamping, the feet, and the wailing, and, and, you know, the temper tantrum. Okay? So even if it were the nature of the childish to cause harm to other beings, it would still be incorrect to be angry with them. What? It would still be incorrect to be angry at them? But it's their nature to harm others. So I should be angry at them. Otherwise, if nobody makes them accountable, they're going to continue with this bad behavior. So I need to step in and stop this. It would still be incorrect to be angry with them. For this would be like begrudging fire for having the nature to burn." What's he talking about here? Even if it were the nature of the childish to cause harm to other beings. okay. So even if it was people's nature, to just automatically cause harm, which it isn't. It isn't people's nature. Yeah, they also do nice things. But even if it were their nature, like they're evil, horrible, despicable people that are hopeless and there's no sense relating to them, even if it were like that, Shanti Deva says it would be incorrect to be angry with them. For this would be like begrudging fire for having the nature to burn. So, even if people were inherently demonic, you know, and that was their nature, then if it's really their nature, why be angry at it? Because there's nothing to do about it. It's like fire has the nature to burn. What are you gonna do, complain to the fire? Why do you have the nature to burn fire? You know, you should really calm down. You know, is fire gonna calm down? No, it's nature is to burn. It's not gonna be fire unless it burns. So even if it were sentient beings, nature to do horrible things, why be angry at them? Because that's their nature. What else are we going to expect? Yeah? Isn't part of this our problem for expecting people who have afflictions to be Buddhas? Anyway, we would get mad at a Buddha, too. So, you know, because what we uh, assume is perfection is somebody fulfilling everything we want. Yeah, and going along with our mantra of I want what I want when I want it, I want what I want when I want it. Yeah, that's our ongoing mantra, isn't it? Yeah, so this I find to be a very powerful verse. Yeah, to if I look and somebody is harming me. You know, my little slogan of sentient beings do what sentient beings do? Sentient beings have afflictions. Why am I expecting them to not act out of their afflictions? That's totally an unrealistic expectation on my part. Yeah? Isn't it? Isn't it? know? So if I have an unrealistic expectation, <clears throat> then whose responsibility is that? Because my unrealistic expectation is part of the problem. It's why I'm getting mad. They're doing what they're doing, but why do I have to get mad at it? You know? if we ask ourselves, why why am I getting mad at this person for doing this? It's always because we have an expectation of how they should act instead and how they should be instead. And that is according to the way we want them to be, right? Because we know how everybody should be. (laughs) And... You know, these ridiculous people just do not conform. So this is our problem. Now, somebody's going to say, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, but we talked about this before, and they said they would do this, and they promised they would do this, and they promised they wouldn't do that. You know, so my expectations are not unrealistic. And this is their role. You know, if they're a teacher, they should teach. If they're a parent, they should take care of me. If they're, you know, whatever. If they're on the kitchen duty today, they should cook. What I want. (laughs) Okay, that's said under the breath, but it's the implied meaning. Okay, so, you know, sentient beings have afflictions, and I'm expecting them to not act out of afflictions. Yeah, that's my my wrong expectation, isn't it? Even they agreed to do something before, even if they agreed not to do something before, and we thought that we could trust them, does that mean that they're never going to do that? Does that mean that they're never going to betray our trust? We would like to think that is what it means, but sentient beings have afflictions. And when sentient, we were dealing with sentient beings who have afflictions, they're going to do what sentient beings do. And their afflictions are going to overpower them sometimes. Okay? Let's flip the situation. Okay? Have you ever promised people or made vows or whatever to do something or not do something and then not carried through with it? Some people are not nodding. You need to nod. Okay. And not because I said so, (laughs) but because it's true. Yeah. But it is true, isn't it? We've all made promises and then not carried through. Why? because we get overpowered by afflictions, don't we? But then we go around and expect other people not to get overwhelmed by their afflictions. But they should definitely forgive us when we get overwhelmed by our afflictions. But we don't have to forgive them when they get overwhelmed by their afflictions. Is that fair? I'm asking all of us whose primary first words in English were, it's not fair. Is it fair that we hold others to a standard that we don't hold ourselves to? No. Okay. So, you know, if we make mistakes, we want people to forgive us. We want them to be understanding. We don't want them to expect us to be perfect, yeah? And yes, you know, we make mistakes. We don't do things we promised. We do things we promised we wouldn't do. We act abominably sometimes, but we want people to recognize that underneath it all, yeah, we mean well and we're just trying to be happy and we get confused, yeah? But isn't that the same with other people when they do harmful things? Yeah, it's exactly the same. So let's have some some tolerance, some understanding for people. Yeah? Because we know what that's like ourselves. hmm OK? And the point of this is, yes, we can make a court case that what they did is wrong and horrible, and our anger is justified, and we should be able to tell them off and punch them in the nose and, and retaliate. But what good does that do us? You retaliate, then, then what? Then what happens? Even you just, you don't retaliate physically. You just sit there and radiate anger. <laughs> you know? You think you are Yamantaka, except you didn't dissolve into emptiness first, so you're <laughs> radiating your ordinary anger. <laughs> you know? What what good does that do us? Yeah? We feel justified. But what good does does feeling justified do us? Is it good for our health? Is anger good for your health? Does anger make your mind happy? Does anger get you further along the path? Does it subdue your own afflictions? Does it give you long life? Does it make you have a better rebirth? Does it ensure that you're going to meet the Buddha Dharma in future lives? Any of the things that are really important to you in your spiritual practice, does anger accomplish any of them? No. In fact, it accomplishes the opposite because we create a lot of negative karma, and then if we act and say things motivated by anger, we create even more negative, more negative karma, which will result in not having a precious human life and being separated from the dharma in future lives. And what happens if that, what, if that happens? Then we've really had it. Okay, so why create more suffering for ourselves? So this is not saying we should stuff our anger and pretend we're not angry. It's not saying that. It's saying have a good heart-to-heart discussion with yourself about, you know, what is conducive to the things that I cherish in life and what is antithetical to, to what I cherish, you know? And if you cherish the Dharma and you cherish your own spiritual aspirations, then you know that anger is not going to help you with that. Okay? So again, it's not saying we stuff the anger. We may still need to take actions. Okay? And we may still need to do something. But we can do things without being angry. Yeah. I wish I could remember some of the stories. There was one woman who stayed here uh, when the abbey first opened, and uh, even before anybody else came, when it was just me and the two cats. And she and her son came here, and she was quite a character. He was too... Anyway, she started telling stories of, you know, one time she was in a park and there was a man beating up on a woman, and, you know, she didn't just go there and tap him on the shoulder and said, you know, that's, that's really not such a good thing to do. I forget what exactly she did, but she did some kind of crazy behavior that completely distracted the guy.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah? Yeah? And it stopped the abuse. And I realized, you know, that is really good, creative, isn't it? You know, you may be angry see, seeing somebody getting abused. Yeah. But she didn't jump in and start clobbering the guy. She did something that distracted him. And it was hilarious. I wish I could, I should have written her stories down. She told more than one but they were so funny what she did but they solved the situation yeah so sometimes we have to act but we don't have to be mad when we do it okay yeah i mean i i've been i've told you a few times about different situations where Lama Yeshi, who was always so jovial and funny and compassionate, gave it to us, you know. But he, he did it because of his care. He wasn't angry. Yeah, and Vener- Venerable Gendi told me a similar story about Venerable Wuyan that one time she was talking to Venerable Wu Yin about something, and uh, a phone call came in from another disciple, and in the course of the phone call, I, we don't know what the disciple said to Venerable Wu Yin, but Venerable Wu Yin got very ferocious with that disciple. And Venerable Jendi was going, oh, my teacher has anger. I And she's beginning to doubt her teacher's qualities there. Oh, she has anger. But then, when Venerable... Uh, Wu Yin hung up the phone. She turned back to continue talking to, to uh, Venerable Jendi, and there was no anger at all. <laughs> Even though she had just gotten done with this phone call with somebody who was misbehaving or wanting something that, you know, whatever it was about. Okay? And then Venerable Jendi realized oh, no, she wasn't angry. But she spoke that way because she needed to to that person. So sometimes we have to be like that. But we have to make sure our motivation is without anger or retaliation. Because otherwise we fall into the thing of justifying it. You know, it's for their own good. Yeah, remember that thing, isn't it? What they say, why parents beat children. I'm beating you for your own good. Yeah. And I just got carried away a little bit, and you have slash marks down your back. But, you know, so we don't want to be using that to justify anything. Verse 40, and even if the fault in that childish being were temporary, in they who are by nature reliable... Okay, so a temporary slip-up by people who are usually reliable. It would still be incorrect to be angry, for this would be like begrudging space for allowing smoke to arise in it. Well, we do do that. When we have the smoke from all the other fires in the summer and we can't breathe, we begrudge the space for allowing the smoke to come in. Okay, but what use is that? The smoke's gonna come anyway. Yeah. So even if the fault were temporary in somebody who is by nature reliable, the temporary smoke, the temporary fault, yeah, is there and it would uh be like begrudging space. For allowing smoke to arise in it and begrudging somebody who is usually reliable for having a slip up. Yeah? So you see, either way we try and justify it, Shanti Deva has a verse for us. Mm-hmm. Because if we say, but they usually aren't that way, it's not their nature. This was a slip up, you know. Uh, but that person over there, it is their nature, so I am justified in being mad at them, because it is their nature to be obnoxious. Well, that's verse 39, he tells us. And then when, we, when we're mad at somebody uh, there, uh, and then we look at this one, who, who is usually reliable, and we say, oh. He's usually reliable, and now he's even worse because it's not his nature to slip up, and he'd slipped up. Yeah, so my anger towards this one's really justified, because I better correct him, otherwise he's going down the slippery slope, <laughs> okay? And then Shanti Deva looks at us and says, verse 40, so either way we try and justify our anger. He's not going to... Not going to let us. Okay. Verse 41. Oh, this is a good one, too. If I become angry with the wielder, although I am actually harmed by the stick, then since the perpetrator, too, is secondary, being in turn incited by hatred, I should be angry with the hatred instead. Okay. So somebody is clobbering you with a stick. Yeah. It's actually the stick that's harming you. Do you get mad at the stick? It's the stick that's that's causing pain, isn't it? Do you get mad at the stick? No. You get mad at the person who is wielding the stick, who is controlling the stick. Okay. now following that logic, then There's really no reason to get mad at the person holding the stick because they are controlled by their own anger. So you should really be mad at their anger, not at them. What do you think about that one? Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't, you know, somebody harms you. Somebody criticizes you. Do you get mad at the airwaves, at the sound waves? No, you get mad at the person, because the person was the one who made the sound waves. But what made the person make the sound waves? It was maybe their attachment, their jealousy, their arrogance, whatever it was that motivated them to do what we find objectionable so we should actually be angry at their afflictions yeah so that's what yamantaka is but it's he's angry at our afflictions okay so but with other people we should try and at least have some understanding huh about how easy it is to get overpowered by things Again, we don't have to let harmful behavior continue. But before we think about what to do, we have to be calm. And sometimes, by the time we get ourselves calm, we realize that we actually don't need to do anything in this situation. That it was probably a very simple misunderstanding. And who wants to spend three hours discussing it? Well, you said this, well, I didn't mean that, I meant this. Well, I felt hurt about it, well, you said that, and that's why I said that. Yes, but I didn't really mean to hurt your feelings. Yes, but you did, you hurt my feelings. Well, you hurt my feelings. And then, you know, you spend three hours discussing two sentences. And that's how your whole perfect human life goes. Yeah, instead of saying, is this really important? Yeah, is this really important? Okay, now to tell you another story that some of you have heard many times. Okay, so I was working on a book. I won't give too many details uh, because I'd like to make things anonymous for other people involved in situations. But, um, I was working on a book on behalf of a group of uh, Buddhist teachers, and uh, you know, I wrote the book, and uh, I had a contract with a publisher to publish the book, and I gave them the the manuscript, and then they did the publisher did what they actually shouldn't have done, which is they gave the manuscript to some of the people who were in this conference. that And my book was a write-up about the conference that these people had author, the other teachers had authorized me to do. Well, it turns out those teachers were not happy with what I did because I didn't, they, the way the conference was organized, they gave a presentation. And then somebody who was an expert Responded. And so I shortened their presentations into about a paragraph and made it a question. And most of the book was the response, you know, from the expert. Well, they were very upset because I didn't include their whole presentation in the book. And they wanted, I won't impute motivations, I'll just say they were upset. Okay. And so then the the publisher calls me and says, oh, these other people are upset. and You know, they want you to redo the whole manuscript. And then, you know, I got upset back at them. It's like, well, why? You gave me power to do this. You trusted me to do this. I went and did it and, you know. It's only because of your ego that you guys I didn't say this. this was what I was thinking. It's only because of your big egos that you want to be mentioned in the book. you know, I mean, this book should be around about what the expert says, not you know, your stuff. So I'm going.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And I go into crisis, right? OK? So yeah, good time, nothing else to do in my life, so I went into crisis. What do I do? Do I cancel the contract? Do I call up these people? But these are important people and I don't really want to in you know, say anything mean because then they won't like me back and that'll be bad for my reputation. But actually what they did is wrong and I should do that. And oh boy, and then I went to another teaching, by one of the people involved, and uh, she was a, uh, Anyway, okay, so then I went to India because His Holiness was teaching. And I'm angry, you know, I'm halfway around the world. I am still so angry at these people, you know, for interfering with my good intentions of writing this book, which was really important for other people. You know, and so, of course, you know, His Holiness, talking about loving kindness and tolerance and having a kind heart. Yeah, I'm still, you know. And one day I was walking back after the teachings, yeah, and uh, all of a sudden I stopped because a thought came into my mind that said, you know, His Holiness had been talking about how there's over 7 billion human beings on this planet, and I thought, there's over 7 billion human beings on this planet, and only one of them is upset about this situation. So is this situation really that horrible, tragic, disgusting, abominable If only one person is angry about it, and that one person just happened to be me. And, you know, when that thought entered my mind, it was like, boom, put it down. And I put it down and I haven't been angry about it since. Because I looked and it's like, Yeah, one person, who just happens to be me, is mad about this situation. The other people, the publisher, he's a little perplexed, you know, the other people, they weren't that mad, you know, (laughs) but it was me who was burning, and getting nowhere, burning with my own anger, because nothing was going to change. You know, these people had stopped the publication of the book, so... What use is it being angry? So I stopped being angry. When I went back to the States, I gave all the transcripts and everything back to those, the people who had authorized me to do it. And I said, here's everything. If you want to have somebody else write it up and do the book the way you want it, it here's all the material back. And nothing happened. Didn't get published at all. They didn't do anything. So, so it was you know just realizing, like, this really isn't that important that I need to stew at about it for weeks on end, even though I'm halfway around the world from the people I'm mad at. It's like time to drop this, OK? So it's very interesting, I think, To look inside sometimes when we are resentful, okay? When we're holding something, we're not, maybe not actively angry, but we're resentful, yeah? And we're holding it, and we're just, ugh. To ask us, ourselves, why? Is this an earth-shattering thing that is worthy of me spending my precious human life being upset about? I can still care about this situation, but the question is, do I need to be upset about it? Okay. Because whenever we're upset, we feel that our upset is the only possible response any sane person can have to the situation that we experienced. And by thinking like that, we box ourselves in. Because we say, my resentment is justified, and there's nothing I can do about it. Because it's the right response. And everybody else would feel that way. So everybody else is behind me and agrees with me. But still, what good does it do me? Hmm. So I think it can be very, very helpful to us. You know, I mean, this is one of the ways I work with my mind. And I also sometimes have this little dialogue, yeah, okay. So there's the angry me. And here's the same me, yeah. And they they have a dialogue. And angry one says (laughs) And sane one says, yes, (laughs) that person did that. I agree with you about the facts. Well, Well, first of all, no, let's get the facts straight. So then this one calms down a little bit and they're actually able to say the facts, you know, but they're still mad. And then this one says, why are you mad? I agree with you that happened. Why are you mad? Well, because they did this and this and this and this. Yes, they did that, but why are you mad about it? Because, oh, the wah, and everybody else agrees with me, and it's going to be a world disaster if I don't do something. Yes, they did that, but why do you have to be angry? about it? Well, they're ruining my reputation. Yeah, they might do that, but what good, what worldly good does a good reputation do you? Well, if I don't have a good reputation, then I won't be able to do this and this, and I won't have my trophy husband, my trophy wife, you know, and I'll get fired from my job, and then I'll be on the streets by next Wednesday. Really? (laughs) Why do you need to be angry? And you have this conversation with yourself, and, you know, you keep putting it back on your angry self and say, yes, that happened, but why do you need to be angry? And at some point, the angry self gets exhausted because it really can't come up with a good reason. Yeah? Destroying my reputation is not really a good reason. Yeah? Because how much good does a good reputation really do you for what's important in your life? Well, I won't get elected to office. That may actually be a good thing for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or, well, they trusted me and they broke my trust in humanity. Really, one person's action broke your trust in humanity? But why do you need to get angry? Why don't you have compassion for those people? You don't understand! Yeah, that's the big one, isn't it? Yeah, when, they don't, when somebody doesn't agree with you, when somebody doesn't support your affliction, what do we say? You know, we already said it's not fair at the beginning. We can't say that again. So we say, You don't understand me. <laughs> uh, or stomp off and slam the door, or use the yell and scream at them. Because now you're mad, you know. Yeah, you're mad at everybody. Okay. When you look, Around, I mean, this is what people's lives are about most of the time, isn't it? It's so sad how much time we spend being angry at each other and retaliating for perceived harms, thinking that our retaliation is going to stop the conflict. Yeah? Yeah? And it's just, you look at what's going on in this world. I mean, you hear people's stories, you read the, the newspaper. It's just amazing how much people are captivated by anger and how much that anger brings them misery. Yeah. So... Another good question when we're angry to ask ourselves is, does my anger make me happy? And then angry person says, no, it makes me miserable. So you change, and then I won't be angry anymore. (laughs) That's not going to work. They're not going to change. Yeah, because we say that. Yes, my anger makes me miserable. And then the same you looks at that one and says, then why do you continue making yourself miserable by being angry? And then you use the reason that I used when I called Lama Yeshi and asked him if I could leave Italy. Lama, they're making me create so much negative karma and I'll be born in the hell realms because what they're doing to me. You go back and read the chapter on karma. And you figure out who is responsible for your anger and who is not responsible. That's not what Lama said. He said, I'll be there in six months, dear. dear, We'll talk about it then. But you know, (laughs) it was, you know, really, yeah? I'm going to blame my creating negative karma on somebody else. It sounds good, doesn't it? It's all their fault, but but you know, there's not a god in the universe. If there were God, you know, when you died, you could go to God, and God's going to say you're going to hell because of your anger, and you could say, but God, He started it, because God's the judge, and you got to convince Him, and you give Him all the reasons. Why well, it's that, I just did that because of him. So you send him to hell, not me. But there isn't a God who you can plead to. Okay, there's the law of karma and effects. And so your connections with other people does you no good. You cannot bargain with the law of karma and its effects. When you plant daisies daisy seeds you get daisies. You know? You're not going to get uh what else do you want? No, when you when you plant napweed seeds you get napweed. You're not going to get daisies. But let's do it that way. Okay. So who are you going to complain to if you plant napweed? Napweed you aren't supposed to grow into napweed. And then Shanti Dev is going to say, read verse 39. It's the nature of napweed to grow into napweed. Why are you complaining? <laughs> okay. So, really using these methods, which are extremely effective if you meditate on them. So, don't wait until you are outrageously angry to apply these. In your meditation now, yeah, take out situations from the past that in which you were angry and start thinking like this regarding those situations and those people so that you get some practice. And you may discover that that past situation isn't bothering you so much now. But once you start thinking about it, there's still some not good feeling. And then you really meditate according to these verses, and you change the way that you're looking at it. And you do that while you're sitting quietly, so there's nobody there in your face. Yeah, So you can really work with your own mind, and all the ifs, ands, and buts, all the the stuff that comes up in your own mind, then you look at, you know, and, and you examine, and is this reasonable? Is the way I am thinking reasonable? Yeah. And then we begin to really understand how the afflictions are rooted in ignorance, you know? That our afflictions are totally unreasonable, and that you know, you begin to see how how ignorance is the problem, and then you remember what Geshe Topke was teaching, and what every single one of your teachers has ever taught you. You know, ignorance is the problem. Yeah, use the, anti- the easier antidotes to the afflictions right now, but go after ignorance because that's the one that you've really got to, you know, overcome. Okay, so if you do this in your meditation, then your meditations are very interesting. You will never get bored, okay, because whenever you apply the Dharma to your own life, And question your own mind, it's very interesting. And sometimes, in the process of doing that, you may start laughing because how our mind thinks sometimes is so hilarious. Yeah. And then you begin to laugh at yourself, and that's really good.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like, I've been holding on to this whole thing for how many years? Oh, this is hilarious. Instead of, I've been holding on to this for so many years. I'm such a lousy practitioner. No wonder I'm a failure. Oh, God, here we go again. You know, the sane you goes, do I have to listen to that? Every time... You not you know you make a mistake you run that video. I am so sick and tired of you complaining about yourself and putting yourself down. Can't you get a new video to run instead? <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then you can laugh because it is funny. don't, don't you think? When we do skits, I mean, this is why we do skits, isn't it? Yeah. So we can, during our skits, what do we do? We play out our afflictions, and then we can laugh at our afflictions. Yeah. And they are funny. I keep thinking of Venerable Nima. Where is she? She's not feeling well today. She went to the okay but but the way she played some of her her roles, you know in the skits, I mean she's really good with that stuff and and it's hilarious, and then you realize, oh, that's what my anger is like too okay verse forty two yeah, can you stand some more <laughs> verse forty two Previously, I must have caused similar harm to other sentient beings. Therefore, it is right for this harm to be returned to me who caused injury to others. Oh God, Deva! now you're blaming me for other people harming me? They're the ones who harm me. Why are you blaming me? Deva isn't blaming us. Yeah, what he's saying is whatever you dish out to others is going to come around to you. It's called the boomerang effect. So just be aware when you throw a boomerang, it's going to come back. So don't object when the boomerang (laughs) comes back, okay? So I I also find this verse very, very helpful, Um, especially... I use this one when people criticize me, which is always unfair. I never deserve the criticism. Okay, but when these ridiculous people criticize me, then I use this verse. When people insult me, when they don't agree with my marvelous, always-correct ideas, yeah, then I use this verse, and it's like... Previously, I must have caused similar harm to other sentient beings. So uh, maybe, maybe sometime in the past, I criticized other people. They deserved it, but yeah, I, I have to admit it. I did criticize them, but they deserved it. And I did insult other people, but they deserved that too. But I have to, yeah, yeah, I did. And I talked behind people's back. Yeah, but but I had to warn other people about all the horrible things this person was doing, so it was good I talked behind their back. Yeah, so you start, you know, how we justify everything, but how we have to say, yeah, I've insulted people, I've criticized them, I've talked behind their back and put them down and ruined their reputation. I've created disharmony in their relationships. Yeah, anybody here who's never done any of that? Yeah, we know you haven't because you never, you didn't nod at the first time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you can come up and teach. Yeah. Um, yeah. You like that idea? Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, okay. But but for the rest of us, yeah, have we ever done that kind of behavior? Yeah? Okay. So, if I've criticized other people, why am I so surprised when other people criticize me? When I talk behind their back, why am I so surprised when they talk behind my back? When I insult them to their face, why am I so surprised they insult me to my face? Yeah? And okay and in addition if i really look at it closely and i calculate okay because i'm very good you know we all have our own internal calculators where we keep uh, track of how who insults us and how many times they insult they have insulted us and who has criticized us and how many times and who has Talk behind our back how many times? And we keep that whole list of who's done whatever to us. Yeah, and it it's it's uh, hidden away from other people in one of our uh, in the vault in our computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Microsoft has has some kind of Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they, they, they have some kind of vaults. So you can hide your secrets there, so it's hidden there. Nobody else, and it, this, this can delete it, and it never gets deleted like all the other files do when you edited them five thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you have this perfect record of who's harmed you, how many times, when. Okay, and you you really save that so that next time they do something, well, maybe not next time. If it's a small thing they do next time, you put it You add it to your file against them. If it's a big thing, then you take out the file and you give it to them one thing. In May 1909, you said this to me. And in June 1918, you said this to me. And then you did this. And you bring out the whole thing. Yeah? because this time you're really going to give it to them because they really went too far. Okay, so you have your file of everything that that they've done to you. Do you keep a file of every time you've criticized them? Do you keep a file of every time you've insulted them or talked behind their back? Oh, you do, yeah? Why, so you can sit there and blame yourself for being such a horrible person? (laughs) Yeah, that's what you do, okay. It's your nature, go ahead. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but most of the rest of us, yeah, okay. Do you keep a file about how many times you've said awful, deprecating, hurtful things to other people? That one goes missing. What? That, That file goes missing. Yeah, it does, it goes missing. Yeah. In fact, we... Don't even type it. Or if we type it, we forget to save it. Or if we save it, it... <laughs> right. We can't remember the name. It got lost and it got deleted. Yeah. Accidentally on purpose. But we never really wrote it in the, <laughs> in the beginning, did we? Okay. But just sit there and think. I don't know about you but every day I manage to criticize somebody if I don't do it with my mouth I do it in my mind <coughs> does somebody criticize me every day no I get criticized once in a while yeah so with the number How does, what's the balance here? With the number of times I criticize them at least once a day, like vitamins, sometimes more than once a day. Sometimes I get into a really good, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, I get on a roll, and the criticisms are coming fast and furious. Okay, so I compare the number of times I've criticized somebody with the number of times I've gotten criticized. Which is greater? <laughs> the number of times I've criticized other people. Yeah, I compared to the number of times I criticize other people, the times mm. I get criticized are really not very significant. So why am I surprised when once in a while people criticize me or don't agree with me or insult me? Yeah. Why, why do I get so al- alarmed when I've done this to other people many more times than they've done it to me? And I do believe that as they say, what goes around comes around, or you reap what you sow, or, you know, karma is infallible. I believe that, so why am I angry? Yeah, who who or what is the original source of my pain from getting criticized? It's not the other person for criticizing me. It's for me You know, it's coming from my own anger or jealousy or arrogance that made me criticize somebody else in the past, and that karma is now ripening. It doesn't mean that the person I criticized in the past is the same person who's criticizing me now. It doesn't mean that. Okay? Otherwise, it would be impossible, you know, for Buddha even to get out of samsara because you know, you have to pay, pay it all back. So it's not the person you harmed who's the one who harms you always. It's with, through our karma, we create the situation, situation, not the person, the situation by which we can get criticized or insulted or whatever it is. And then the other person, because of their afflictions, they, you know, say that or do that to us. But the original reason for it comes from our own negative karma. That comes from our own afflictions, which comes from our ignorance. Okay, So I'm really sorry you cannot blame yourself for your mistakes. You have to blame the afflictions and the ignorance. I know it's causing you immense, you're so distraughted by not distraughted, yes. My English is really getting good. Um, distraught by not being able to blame yourself. Oh, but you really have to give it up this time. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, just, just give it up, okay? Um, yeah, that, because we can't blame ourselves, yes? It's not. It's our afflictions that we blame. And then that gives us more energy to work against our afflictions and then we really see why it's important to get out of samsara because as long as we're in samsara this is gonna keep happening yeah doesn't matter where we're born doesn't matter who how many friends we have in power or how many friends who are rich Or any of that stuff, this is going to just keep happening. This is the nature of samsara. So we can either play along with it or we could decide that we want to get out. Okay? And then, you know, we want to get out, and then let's take everybody else with us. Yeah, because everybody else is suffering in this exact same way. So doesn't it's not fair for us just to be concerned with our own pain and samsara when everybody's in the same boat. Okay. So uh, time for a couple of questions.
1: So in terms of the... Results of our karma. Mm-hmm. Um, say if we're criticized, could you say that the result of our karma is us interpreting words as criticism and being upset as opposed to the words themselves? Because it's our experience mm-hmm. of being hurt, upset, yeah. angry.
0: I think it can play out in both. We, it, the other person could have a negative emotion. We don't know. Yeah. But the majority is we're taking offense to it. Yeah.
1: So it's like always how we interpret something. It's never just the thing itself. Yeah. It's always the mental projections or imputations. Because
0: even if the person did have the intention to harm us, okay, even if they did have the intention to harm us, yeah, then we do the thing if we ask our the the sane self, ask the one who's harmed, okay, they wanted to harm you, but why do you, why are you angry? Yeah. So it always at the end comes down to that. You know, why are we just, even if they wanted to harm us, why do we need to get angry about it? Hmm? Yeah. so whether they intend it or whether it's purely our our uh, mis- you know our interpretation the outcome is the same yeah. because even if they intended to harm us we don't need to interpret it as harm we can interpret it as they're helping me purify my negative karma And see, this is what thought training does, is it changes our interpretation of the events. Okay? They're helping me to purify. They're showing me what I look like when I'm angry.
1: I do have to say that one of the most difficult things I've been thinking about this a lot lately is to be able to separate the afflicted state of mind from the suffering being. Because when that conjures up and I'm reactive, that person becomes so inherently existent, totally welded, merged, married, submersed in that affliction. And I can't, se- it's really hard for me to separate those. So then I start thinking about trying to identify who it is that I'm angry with that sometimes helps loosen this yes. melding that's going on there.
0: Yeah. Well, the melding is, you're the one who's angry, but they're the one who's 100% wrong and negative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: that's how it sure seems
0: Yep, 100% not actually 100% 108% yeah or 200% yeah
1: and they have this affliction that it also is inherently so I've got two inherently existent things going on which means there's no reason for me to be able to look at them with anything else but disdain right And I'm also inherently existent, so there we go, you know. So I've been starting to use a little bit just looking at who am I angry at and who is being angry and trying to get the separating out a little bit better there.
0: Yeah, It's very interesting to do that. Well, you know, uh, they insulted me, you know, uh, last week. So who am I angry with, the person that they were last week or the person they are now? Because they're not exactly the same person. Well, the other person's not now. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, so then, is it fair for me to get angry at their continuum? I'm angry at your mental continuum. <laughs> yeah, very interesting to try and, and, and do that. Or they hit me, so I'm angry at their body. Okay. Or they insulted me, so I'm angry at their uh, larynx and their tongue.
1: (laughs) Huh? I want to say that during this little past week, I spent a lot of time looking at that paragraph that you did maybe two weeks ago where you said, really think about, that all you are is a bunch of vegetable goo, mental states, mental consciousness, and mental factors. I sat on that for days, and it really does, it makes, it's so much less personal. There's just nothing there, Yeah. you know, so that's, that's a very important piece.
0: <laughs> yep, yep, there's really, when you examine, there's no inherently existing person there.
1: I get a little gets tumbled up a little bit in the idea of I need to clear the air with this person, or I need to apologize to this person, or then sometimes oh I need to let this person know what my needs are because I need this from this this person right. But you know, all, there's there's some part of this where it actually seems sometimes to be a value to do the air clearing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you talk about that a little bit in regard to all of this that you talking about today. If we need
0: to apologize, we apologize. But your air clearing is you're assuming the other person is holding on to this. <coughs> it's you who's holding on to it. So sometimes, the you know, if you need to apologize, apologize. If the other person has something to say to you about the situation, they'll say it at that time. You don't need to say... Do you have something to say? Uh, We need to clear the air. Let's sit down for four hours and discuss our relationship. Okay. If they have something to say when you apologize, they'll say it. Yeah. And letting you know their needs. You look at your needs. Okay, you check up what your needs are. I need everybody to think I'm good, and you don't think I'm good right now. Please tell me I'm good. You really need somebody to tell you you're good? I don't think so. So sometimes, and on a similar note, we talk about the need to accept our anger, and I struggle to see where that fits in with some of the process and antidotes that you're talking about. Okay. Accepting our anger means at that very moment when we're angry, we accept we're angry. The question is, do we want to continue being angry in the next moment? We accept what is, is. I'm angry right now. I'm not denying it. I'm not pretending to be holy. I'm not Mary Poppins. Nee, I'm not angry. Oh, Yeah. No, you're, I'm angry. But do I want to continue being angry? Yeah. Do I want to continue telling myself I'm a victim? Do I want to continue blaming the other person? Okay, so the acceptance is of the present moment, but we can change the future. Yeah. Because if you say, oh, I accept I'm going to be angry about this forever,
1: then what are you doing to yourself? (laughs)